Probably science. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse Case, joined 2,000 miles away and to my left by Andy Wood. <laughs> hey, Jesse, good to have you back. Hey, thanks, Andy. Also 2,000 miles away and to my right, Matt Kirshen. Hey, Jesse, you actually you correctly guessed the positioning of the computers. Ah, <laughs> terrific, terrific. It's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, we got we got a great guest today. It's going to be awesome. I actually hang on. No, no, I'm wrong about that. No, the computer's oriented the other way around. Um, Annie's on your right. I'm on your left. If you're considering like him as the computer facing us, yeah, I'm considering okay. the way the camera's oriented. Um, okay, okay, but you guys don't know which way I'm facing. You know what I mean? So it's not even <laughs> right. Oh, that's true. You could be you could be backing onto the computer right now. Well, hold on. I'm putting myself in the position of the house, Andy. If you're sitting in your normal spot, right at the house, then you are facing south. Uh, facing west, facing the pool. That's west? The pool is west. Oh, wait, cold water north, and then over Magnolia, then down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're facing west. All right, so how are we going to work this out? I'm going to turn... I'm going to turn south. Or no, I'm going to turn north. <laughs> and... All right, hold on. Hey, in which way is Mecca? <laughs> that's... Oh, that's east. That's always east. How could it always be east? What if, well, you, were, what if you were east, east of no, Mecca? It, well, then, then they pray facing west, Andy. Right. Yeah, you just got to aim towards Mecca somehow. Um, I don't really know what people do when they're in Mecca. I don't know if that's like a spinning compass situation. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you have your a la compass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is an actual thing. Like, that's a, that's a legit thing. And there are apps. And have you are you serious? It? Oh, yeah. And there are sometimes, like, I've, if, if you're in uh, certain countries with high Arabic populations or high, just high Muslim populations in general, um, there's often arrows built into the buildings, like on the floor or whatever, that will show you the direction you need to be facing. I had that makes that makes perfect sense, but I've never heard yeah. of that. Makes great sense. Um, I heard science is still mystified by how Muslim birds like navigate, like how they have like what that internal mechanism is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like homing pigeons, but right. for the for, for an obelisk. Mm -hmm. What is um and I understand that we've already lost every listener on this episode alone. And our guest. And, uh, <laughs> and our guest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we have a wonderful guest. Uh, but, but what is the um, – I forgot what I was talking about already. <laughs> no, there's some there's something that's like you uh, – when it goes to like uh, figuring out where Mecca is. I, guys, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm on drugs. Never mind. You have every yeah. excuse in the world. You don't have to apologize for anything. All right. Well, we can talk about it because some of the excuses are bullshit. Some of the excuses are based on other people's ignorance of what, like, treatment is. So then I can just get away with anything and be like, oh, no, it's the cancer. But it's not. It's just because I still suck. Like, I'm still, <laughs> like, like, I did a show last night and just forgot what I was talking about in the middle. But it had nothing to do with treatment. I was just like, guys, I, yeah, I need a pass on this. But it's because I was being, like, unprofessional and lazy. Did, did you get a slow clap from that? Absolutely got it. Yeah, it was very Rudy. Very nice. good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, hey, we have a guest, guys. We do. Let's bring in our we guest, uh, a returning guest, who is uh, the host of a new show on Sci-Fi called Reactor. Very excited to welcome David Huntsberger. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for coming back. Good to be back. Yeah. Have you been on twice before? <clears throat> you went once with um, Professor uh, Peter McGraw, I think. Is that I think true? I've done it twice, but I think I was solo both times. Oh, okay. But maybe I've only done it once, and I'm not remembering. Correctly. I, I remember getting you on the show when we were coming back from the Vancouver Comedy Festival. Uh huh. 
<laughs> and we were recording that day, and we like literally oh, on the plane. Yeah. I sort of leant over, leant across the aisle, and went, "Hey, what are you doing in an hour and a half's time? Can you do our podcast?" Oh right, yeah, that was probably was that one of your all time best? That was one of the best. Probably yeah, best. jet lag. We got into a lot of rodeo talk. Oh yeah, because David. Oh um, yeah, I can't believe we didn't know that until that point. Yeah, that was David, my favorite revelation of a friend's skill. That's, that's, yeah, David what? Hunsberger, not only uh, yeah, very fine comedian and the host of Reactor and Sci Fi, and the. Uh, one third of the Professor Blastoff podcast is the world's most unlikely rodeo expert. <laughs> it was what, basically what? like 80s movies, but replacing uh, football with rodeo. Like all the cool kids in your high school yeah. did rodeo. <laughs> no, Where'd that's you grow- not true. Where did saying- you grow up, David? Uh, re- well, just outside of Reno, Nevada. Okay. Now, was this like, what type of rodeo are we talking? Are we talking like Garth Brooks song level? Well, there like really big, is. I mean, there are. It's it's spliced off now into where like just bull riding will happen. But there really is only one, or two types of rodeo. There, there's kids rodeo, and then there's other rodeo. Even like what they would consider like there's women's rodeo and there's gay rodeo. There's still just rodeo. It's the same events. It's riding horses and roping things. Hang and, on. So, so there's a category of rodeo, ro- a rodeo that is. Distinguished by the sexuality of the performers, or is gay yeah. rodeo? Yeah, yeah. No, gay rodeos the animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it still happens. I know it. I, it probably does. It's probably just not that well. Maybe there's been some uh, coalescence, and they finally said, "This is ridiculous. Let's just bring everyone together." And there's been one of the more quiet <laughs> until uh, then civil the- rights movements ever to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, everyone's welcome. It's all just rodeo. I'm just wondering whether the like the which way round the prejudice was. Whether they were like, "Hey, listen." Uh, Gay guys are just going to be too good at writing things, so we've no, got to keep sir, them away, <laughs> sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think it probably had that macho kind of, yeah, a lot of uh, Christ involved, and sure, you know, that's not <laughs> going to be. We can't be letting them like on the, at the prime horses because they're going to gay it up. Please, please, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, I no, I went to a rodeo once uh, when I was like. <clears throat> seven or something and i remember it being i mean it was just weird because you know everyone else knew what was going on like well, I, was your excuse this is my first rodeo like you could always <laughs> yeah, say absolutely. that <laughs> it was absolutely my first rodeo and uh i think my last rodeo i you know i also i went to like a demolition derby once i really like shit like that i like stuff that uh whatever town it's happening in it's like a big huge yearly event that yeah. no one else in the country gives a shit about yeah, when I associate uh, fairs, I think of there's usually a rodeo or a tractor pole or something like right, that involved right. with it. Like this is our yearly thing. We watch cars smash into each other, mm-hmm. or we watch people run around on animals, and then we go eat some funnel cake. <laughs> Elephant ears. Right. By the way, what are funny cars? Those are always part of those things, right? A part of like de- demolition derby and like monster <laughs> yeah. truck things. But I don't, I don't know what race. a funny car is. I think of them. I used to draw them when I was a kid, where they have like the the pipes coming out of the engine. That's what a funny car is. In my mind, it okay. is. I don't know if that's true, but that, in my mind, that's what it is. Uh, wh- wait, then what's like a rat racer? That's a thing, right? Is, is that a funny car? Is that the one? You know, there are some that just go in a it's, circle and they have that weird... The like, one side, like yeah, a one, one wing side, or something? Yeah, wing that, up. Yeah, is yeah. that... What is, oh, yeah, yeah. What is mm. rat fink drive? I'm, I'm looking that up right now. Is that, wait, that's is like that a, a funny rod. car? <laughs> a hot rod? That, that might be a funny car, hot rod situation. We uh, to you were t- going back to your thing about uh, using excuses to and or not to to your advantage. Uh, we d- we taped one of the show yesterday, and uh, we taped pretty early in the morning. And this 
this guy Masioka from Heroes, and he's on the new Heroes as well, had flown in 16 hours. Like, like we were just talking about that Vancouver flight. He had flown yeah. 16 hours from Japan, landed that morning, basically drove right to the set and did an interview. God. And didn't use it as an excuse, didn't like look tired and go, He's hey, like, man, yeah, I'm that's sorry. the gig. That's what we do. Yeah, he's like, I'm a professional is basically what he was saying, just with his eyes. He wasn't even, <laughs> he wasn't even going, no, don't worry about it. He was just like, I'm here. Let's yeah. just move past it. But I couldn't get, I was, I had slept in my bed and gotten just a few hours less sleep than normal. And I was like, I can barely function. David, David, you're so new to this game. Uh, pro tip, cocaine. <laughs> cocaine. The industry is fueled by cocaine. It works. Even Moss. No, I can't. He was really mellow, though. I mean, can people, like, you can drink whiskey and then still hold your own. But can you do cocaine and be like, I'm yeah, good? You can't. Yeah. There's a drug, uh, and I haven't tried this, but some people, a couple of people had it uh, at the last festival I was at. I can't remember what it's called, and now I'm going to look it up, but it's what they give fighter pilots, and it just stops you from being beta, tired. Beta, oh, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say it makes you, like, steady. Um, uh, I was thinking beta blockers, but those don't make you not tired. Uh, let me look it up. It just... What, hmm. uh, What's that thing they give snipers? Beta blockers, I think. That's to keep you and from like, shaking or being nervous? Right, and, like, uh, well, like concert no violinists. Shaking, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, illegal for concert violinists or something. <laughs> Would there be, like, a governing body of orchestral oh, yeah, yeah. musicians? Yeah, absolutely performance-enhancing. I, I, I know beta blockers are banned in, uh, in like, games like darts and, and snooker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons why uh, snooker and darts players always would have like a drink or two, oh, apart from the fact that they're massive drunks. But alcohol. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it's like with chicken and egg. With, why'd you start that sport? Well, yeah. I can drink while I'm doing it. Yeah, but it is um, obviously after a certain number of drinks, it becomes very performance inhibiting. But the f- like a small amount of alcohol does have the effect of reducing tremors and trembles and steadying your mm-hmm. steadying your movements. Uh, I think like one or two beers would always be performance enhancing in almost anything. I don't know about your like fast running kind of sports. Yeah. Because doesn't it make you just like slightly tired? And you have a belly full of beer. (laughs) Like yeah, Yeah. soccer. I I don't know if that's going to. No, good call. I just mean I'm thinking of like, I guess I'm still thinking of the concert violinist. You know, you're loosened up. Oh, yeah, totally. mm, Totally. You know. Okay, the drug, the the drug I was looking at, or trying to think of, it's called um, uh, it's called modafinil. Uh, the brand names are Alertec, uh, Modavigil, and Provigil, or Provigil. I'm not sure how whether the G is hard or soft, but it is a wakefulness promoting agent or uh, eugeroic, used for treatment of narcolepsy, shift work sleep disorder, and excessive daytime sleepiness associated with sleep apnea, with obstructive to sleep apnea. Uh, mm. But it also it's used in the military, and also used by people who were partying for a long time because it just apparently with very few side effects. Although there are things that it does in the long term, but there are um, it just stops you from being tired. Wow, it, that seems too good to be true. Yeah, it's uh. So maybe that's what he did. It's uh. It's Jeez. um. Cheating actors. Che- Reported effects from patient Hero control groups. Ass, right? I mean, <laughs> it does have some side effects, including potential, potentially headaches. Quite a few people get headaches off it. And then uh, 34% nausea, nervousness, diarrhea, 6%. But at least you're awake through that. Dry mouth. I'd say 6% of all people have diarrhea at any given time, right? <laughs> 20 people no, in a, a room. Good, that's a good call. That's, that's a false correlation they're making. 
Yeah, that's I think a good it call. is compared to a control group. One of us, one of us probably has diarrhea right now. Uh, I could yeah. if I had to narrow it down yeah. to the four of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to guess. Mm. Well, good to know. This is the drug of choice if you're trying to uh, stay awake to fly your fighter jet over enemy lines at night. Uh, yeah, it's also hang on. It's got oh, it's got loads of different names in different countries. Uh, it's called Alertec in Canada and Ecuador for some reason. Uh, Australians and New Zealanders might know, might know it as Mod Vigil. Uh, uh, in Germany, it's called Sex Friends, <laughs> but in Austria, it's still called Swingers. It's very weird. Very weird. <laughs> Pro Vigil is what it's called both in the UK and the US. Do you see that thing like a couple weeks ago about the uh, tech leaders warning the AI community not to, you know, make intelligent robots as weapons? Because they like saying that it would be the the end of humanity. Right. But they're always like warning against that. They they test lab rats where they can like uh, uh, it's not myostatin, but there's some uh, like gene that you can or maybe it's not a gene but it's a chemical um dispenser in the brain that sends a message to your your uh, muscles when they're getting tired like oh i'm tired if you can kind of bypass that so that your muscles are constantly being replenished so these gigantic buff rats could just oh, oh, run yeah. endlessly yeah and we then talked. people would uh would go well we can't do that with soldiers i mean that's cheating we can't have like can't put a chip in their head that is constantly telling their muscles to like be replenished and they can just run endlessly but some people have a mutation and are just bo- like there are those babies that are super buff. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. I think. Oh with, yeah, buff uh, babies are weird, man. With the, the author of the sports gene. Yeah, yeah, that one's myostatin, the buffness. Uh-huh. But there was uh, there's something to that as well as uh, like the like the aerobic exercising where like their heart rate doesn't go way up because they don't get tired. Like you're because like, their brain doesn't tell them to get the tired. Brain does, yeah, the brain when it's normally sensing and telling you kind of like, hey, your muscles are depleted. Are you getting tired? It just bypasses that. And there was this okay. thing I, I read or heard about a couple a few years ago where they studied people that do those ultra marathons and they uh-huh. push through like your brain has kind of a fake sensor telling you when you've reached your max, your limit like you're going to pass out and people when they push through it on those ultra marathons end up not only like going to this crazy like hallucination place <laughs> but they then sprint away from weird shit they think they're seeing so like your mind has a or your body has a lot more to give even when you've passed yeah. empty anyway like when we <laughs> Aren't we already cheating? We have all these weird little pills and shit we can give soldiers. Like, this will keep you awake throughout an well, entire also, I kill people. It's, I kind of... Mm. Like, like, even the Geneva Convention, I find... Yeah. It's almost... That's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. almost fucked in a way. Like, there's, a, there's an element of which I find it almost more immoral and more fucked up that war has rules. Yeah, I do. It, Me it's, too. Because it's, like, yeah. it's almost... I mean, yeah, it's almost like that... That makes it seem like it's a normal and human thing to do. Now it's something that has good and bad things you can do. Like, okay, we don't use nuclear weapons. We don't use a chemical or biological. That's that's wrong. Yeah, we can still drop cluster bombs on people, and we can still just you know shoot shoot people and stab you a hundred times. Yeah, and and blow up buildings (laughs) that we know people are in. So that's fine. That's the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But these are the bad things that we can do in war. Like that's well, and and it's it's weird that if we started making rules, so you had all these people sitting around in Geneva from all these different countries deciding how to kill each other. That the rule would just like why wouldn't the rule just be like all right we're just switching it all to paintball? Yeah, like, no, like, yeah, yeah. Why like, if it was all just pranks? Like it was just a filthy, <laughs> yeah, silly, like sassy, sassy pranks. Yeah, I mean, I I do agree that the AI shouldn't be used for that. It will be. I, I mean, everything, everything every technology be, yeah. starts so you can either fuck it or kill something with it, and that's it. 
and sometimes they combine them. It's like those old uh, uh, blunderbuss horn end guns. Just so you could fuck your gun, you know, and then go and shoot yeah, stuff with it. I don't think reading glasses or things <laughs> along those lines or anyone wanted to. Fuck no, reading it. glasses. I don't know. In reading glasses. You can you can bang yourself with reading glasses. You can't have. Se- you're thinking about this very one dimensionally, David. <laughs> I'm just thinking of things like pacemakers and. It, that's just yeah. means you can keep again, shirting off. <laughs> again, you cannot find an item that is not going to be fun to kill someone with or 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 uh, sleep with. All right, you know. Fair. So I'm pretty sure, that. pretty I sure I nailed it on that. <laughs> Geneva Convention of them. I would like to just put out there. Perhaps we could uh, kill each other all with um, like uh, glitter guns. <laughs> No, no. I'm also a no on that one. If they could, we should, there should have been kids. You know, like when you're a kid, you're at a sleepover or something, and all day long you've been playing a game where like, oh, we got to steal this, whatever it is, this red baseball cap. Yeah. And then you have it right. at the end of the night, and you go to sleep. You wake up in the morning, and someone has stolen it from you. Your first thought is like, damn it. Your second thought is like, that was pretty good. They should, of course they waited till I was asleep. But you're they, also like, wait, the game was over. It was a downtime. You weren't allowed to. Yeah. yeah why, why can't But you they? still kind of respect it. I'm like, right. yeah, that's pretty. The idea that getting together and going, guys, no stealing the hat while we're asleep is as ridiculous as the Geneva, as nations getting together and going, here are our rules when we're all savagely destroying our civilizations. Well, and, and whoever ignores the rules always wins normally. I mean, it's like, that's how. The, the Revolutionary War in America. I mean, it was before the Geneva Conventions, but the, they're not. They're like, yeah, we're not going to stand in a line like that. Uh, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, you think at the time, what an upheaval that would. That, I mean, that was like the equivalent of using mustard gas. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't in a line. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't see all of them. Why were they? Yeah. We- they were wearing clothes that blended into the environment. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> you, what kind of ungentlemanly conduct is this? <laughs> right. You know, um, and now we just give it a pass because it's like way over. Yeah. You know, but I, I think who, you know, whoever yeah. decides to like, you know, nuclear holocaust this puppy is going to be like, yeah, that, you know, and and in hindsight, everyone's going to be like, that was a great idea. Why didn't anyone else do that? <laughs> they well, didn't. The, they didn't wait for us to say go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because, I mean, where did that come from, the dressing up in lavish clothing and, and knocking each over like dominoes lined up across yeah, from each insane. other? That, it's insane. That evolved from previous, like, savage sort of slitting throats and just Oh, no, I think beasts, even in right? caveman days, they still wear, like, red <laughs> tunics. Yeah, you were supposed yeah. to wave and go ahoy hoy before <laughs> doing battles. They know where well, to and aim was the, the guns. Whole, there was the whole thing where you still had to count to ten, saying Mississippi, right, right. <laughs> before you started shooting. Yeah. Everyone would have to cover their eyes. Yeah, you know, it's weird. Like when that state was formed, and then that word suddenly had meaning. Is yeah, <laughs> before it, that it was sort of random. Yeah, you know what I've always thought about is in movies uh, where there's some like war happening where everyone's standing in a line, like Braveheart. Right? It'll be like a bunch of soldiers in a line, and then uh, the captain or whoever is about to lead them into battle is giving some big speech, but he's on his horse and he's going back and forth, like, mm-hmm. like back and forth on the ranks. Oh yeah. And, and, but giving some big epic speech about freedom or whatever. Um, well, like when you watch that on TV, it always just follows the captain. But I was thinking like, if you're standing there, <laughs> if you're like, a, you know what I mean? If you're like a guy with a sword, just standing there, like his voice would fade. You'd like miss half the speech. Has to be like whispered along the line and it gets changed as it goes back. <laughs> exactly. And then and then everyone, you know, because everyone just starts roaring and charging at the same time. And I'm like, that would never happen. <laughs> yeah, you like, need that megaphone <laughs> or people down spread out every hundred feet going, what he's saying is. 
I think they did that in Roman times. I'm trying to. Remember, I listened to like half of the History of Rome podcast because it's like 300 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when they had like the phalanx set up for for battle, which is like a, a checkerboard of of you know a few dozen squares, each of those squares having like 200 people or something. It's just massive. They had systems for relaying information because obviously one person can't yell and be heard by everybody. But I forgot what it was. It must have been some just it's variant. Like, it's like the way I they like... did it on with the human <clears throat> megaphone on Occupy Wall Street. With the human megaphone, what is that? Uh, they like they literally would do that. Like Occupy Wall Street, they would one person when one person's Shout got the floor, someone. they would a group of them would then sort of echo what they said back. Yeah, it was it was a game of telephone. But you have the horse. I like to think of it as the guy yelling it very passionately to the first group, trotting down a few hundred yards. Okay, basically what I said was <laughs> yeah, on, on. Which is, by the way, you call it telephone. Uh, Brits call it Chinese whispers. Oh, that's really. That's racist. It's usually us yes. that's making everything yeah. a little I know. more racist. Well, here's the other thing as well. Um, what we call Chinese burns, you call Indian burns. Okay, so that's equal. That's, <laughs> that, that's on a par. We just picked right. a different country to... Yeah. But you guys haven't historically oppressed the Chinese that it's much, definitely have you? definitely just not us burns. No, we, but this is weird um, because we, all, we call our literal telephones Chinese whispers. So that's a weird thing about, <laughs> you know, that's you go down to the Verizon store and get a new Chinese whisper. Right, that's, right. Everybody knows that. Um Yo, did you get a, That's you a, get a Chinese whisper You're thinking last of night, a burner. Hey, uh... By the way, what do you call when you get out of a car at a stoplight and run around and get back in your car again? Oh, I don't think we have even have that, actually. You don't have shenanigans for... over there? You don't have tomfoolery? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is... Everyone exits the car, you race around it. That is jiggery-pokery full... or tomfoolery or shenanigans, okay, okay. but I don't think that's specific to that action. Oh. Um, uh, well, no, we, we call that... Uh, do you want to say it, David? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think everyone does that it's a Chinese fire drill. But as a kid, again, going back to like the innocence of children, to me, I was always like, why isn't this a clown fire drill? Right. That yeah. makes more sense, at least if you're going to. Was that like a Chinese circus the first? Maybe. I mean, maybe the, the root of it isn't racist. Maybe people went to like see a performance of like Chinese acrobats and they were like, this we call the fire drill. Okay. And they left something, went around, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's do the Chinese fire drills from the Chinese acrobats. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, it's like when you would go to those like arm burning performances, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. And it, it just depended. Like, are you going to a Native American one? Or are you going to, a, you know, are you seeing a, a traveling Chinese troupe? Right. Absolutely. See, I went to. Yeah, I went to an Indian one. I've only yeah. just realized it's historical reenactment. I've only like, just realized now, by the way, me. that Indian when you say that was as in Native Americans and not as in people from India. Oh, right. I don't even. I assume it's that, but it could be the country of India. No, it's it's Native American. Okay, it's that's a yeah, an Indian rug burn or an Indian burn. But why? Uh, how, how do you know that? I mean, I get that we're all assuming that, but like, what's the thing you're going off of? For that, yeah. Well, I'm going off obviously the the Colonel Custard. I mean, that's that's how they took down all those people. Is they just they just made their wrists warm? Okay. Did let me get, getting furtherly racist. When you were a kid and someone gave you an Indian burn yeah. and it took them mm-hmm. forever, just wait, right. you just wait. And it hurt, but then it started, finally by the end, it's like, all right, knock it off. And then you had this annoying like ring around your arm. Yeah. Wasn't there yeah. a small part of you that wondered like, well, if I got like a real Native American to do this, could they do it and just like, like two quick little, they're probably oh, absolutely in death grip. For yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah. I, I have found uh, an NPR article that breaks down like, what's so Chinese about a Chinese fire drill? Perfect. Uh, and it, it says, um, starting around the First World War, the descriptor Chinese began to be frequently added to phrases to describe situations <laughs> that were confusing, incomprehensible, and messy. Mm-hmm. These included a Chinese ace, which referred to an incompetent pilot, Chinese national anthem to describe an explosion, 
and Chinese landing, which was used by pilots to refer to bumpy, dangerous touchdowns. Wow, that is a large insect that has just flown across. It's a June bug. I like those jumbo creatures. Uh, Their wings just don't seem to be big enough, and yet they still carry them around. For the listeners is he doing, we, we is got he doing one of those Chinese fluttering. Yeah, is he, doing is a little like Chinese a fluttering. Thing? Yeah, we got a little Chinese bumping too. Just keeps bumping into the wall. It's like a hummingbird insect. It's that thing with the shiny green shell we had a few. Oh yeah, episodes back. Uh, anyway, so, so, so yeah, it is. It is it's totally. Just, it's totally racist. Those, that's like the Dutch. Uh, everyone knows going Dutch, but if going you Google Dutch. that, it's because of like long-standing British Dutch hatred. And there are tons more derogatory Dutch things, like a Dutch concert is a drunken uproar. Dutch oven, or, uh, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, going, going Dutch stick? is calling Dutch people cheap is what it yeah. is. It's like an insult. To, yeah. Hey, how uh, do the things like that stick? Like we're just arbitrarily going to make it like a Chinese ace. Enough people know it. Some of them, like the Chinese fire drill still. Yeah. That's yeah. a long I, time. I think it still sticks be around. because kids don't know it's racist. You don't like I never thought of this as like that's derogatory. It was just like what you call the thing. Right. Because I wasn't you know, I don't think anyone on the show today was raised by racists or raised <laughs> racist or whatever. So, well, so I, I kind of was. Were you really? <laughs> well, well, I think everyone was to an extent. <laughs> what? I mean, like, mm. like, I'm not talking about, like, full-on, like, swastika-bearing races, but, it, yeah. Sure, like, sure. Like, Kirshen's really... Like a bit of ignorance. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, what? Well, yeah. let my my grandparents let them really get going at Christmas mm-hmm. and see some <laughs> yeah, of the views I mean, that start to come out. Yeah. Well, it's like when your grandparents actually fought in World War II, you're kind of like, well, I get that that's probably not going to be, you're never going to love the Japanese, probably. You know, like my, my grandmother was never going to be, she was never going to buy a Toyota. And no, I, but I, that, I give her that, you know. But that then doesn't excuse, there are, there were definitely things that my grandfather said about races that he was not on a different war side okay. to. <laughs> well, no, it's weird because, you know, Andy, my, my grandpa is the same way. He's never going to buy a Toyota, hates it, but, but he loves Bukaki. Which I think is, is is interesting. Well, that really is the unifying. Um, yeah. uh, that's what brought us together after the war. But, but he calls it Chinese painting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He calls it. Yeah, he calls it uh, the Polish Pollock. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, listen. This uh, this modafinil, this drug that uh, helps. Um, that are you talking about Chinese being time? Yeah, exactly. Um, it uh, it might be effective for treating certain things like seasonal affective disorder, uh, cocaine dependence. And opiate dependence, um, and possibly Parkinson's disease. Hey, but you know what can get you over not cocaine, but alcohol, potentially? What's that, buddy? According to this article that our, our good friend uh, Justin Broad sent in. Justin Korean Broad. pears, apparently, are the best way to prevent hangovers. So Korean what, pears, what those that? are just pears that are just, like, really yeah. out of sorts. Those pears are a mess. Right, yeah. Uh, according to the uh, CSIRO, I don't know what that is. I think this is an Australian, this is an Australian story, so I'm guessing the CSIRO. Uh, yeah, that is the Australian's National Science Agency, ah, okay. the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. Excellent. Uh, but there is a better cure for the hangover than the stock standard fry up an injection of coffee. Carbs, fat, and caffeine might not be what we crave after a big night on the cans, but it's scientifically dubious. Oh, slow down there. For, is that a saying that anyone uses? Big night on the cans. Big night on the cans. It's very Australian. Okay. <laughs> uh, wow. That's very. Uh, but it is scientifically dubious that they mop up the booze, as the saying goes, especially given that alcohol only stays in the stomach for a short time in the first place. Instead, something far healthier might help. Um, prevention and rehydration with water aside, uh, scientists from the CSIRO say the antidote to overconsumption of alcohol may lie in pears. Uh, written a new blog about it. They've uh, The miracle prevention for hangover search might, has been fruitless until now. What researchers... Uh, 
so dumb. So I, I, I love I love a scientist who does a, who chucks in a little bit of a pun, a little bit of a joke. I, I, no, because you know it's way funnier to them. Like, oh yeah, he was like showing everyone before he submitted the articles. Like, see? Well, no, but it's the thing is like, as a comedian, you have the highest bar for it. But like, it's like when uh, musicians make a really shitty joke between songs, like in their banter, but it destroys because no one expects them to be right. Then they start crashing open mics in New York and uh, making fun of Camille Nanjiani's name. Well, no, it's the same thing. I mean, we've talked about this, and I realize I'm going to be on my own here. Like, everyone else can back away, so no one writes a think piece about it. But um, it's about how, like, really punk rock, liberal, hardcore Occupy Wall Street girls uh, will still just date a cop or, like, a Navy SEAL. Um, oh, of course, of course. And, and But I think not, it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, alpha attraction. It has to do with, like, our preconceived notions of what that is. So then if the guy has one sensitive point, he's different. So it'd be like, like... No, guys, like, he's a cop, but also, like, he really likes puppies. You know, like, just some normal human trait. Or, like, he, he's, he's a great, like, he's a great cook or something like that. And then it's, like, you're one of the good ones. So it's still a little judgmental going into it. Does that make any sense? Of course. Yeah, it's like, you just, the bar is so, it's the same with, like, professional athletes. If one of them is, like, a halfway decent person, just a normal level of nice person, they get a reputation as, like, oh, that's, like, the nicest guy in the NFL or whatever. It's like, no, he's just not a monster <laughs> right just, but it's but it's like fucked up of us to view them that way in the first place you know yeah, what i mean totally totally yeah it's, 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 but then it's like you can get this weird pass like musicians are supposed to be so serious and brooding so if you make some joke between songs it's like mayhem like i see that all the time in nashville like musicians kill harder here than any comic oh, yeah. ever but that's but it's why also, they get... it's also it's lowered expectations completely yeah. like it's the same as like wedding like a half decent joke in a wedding speech will destroy because wedding yeah. speeches are often so dreadful we must i guess talk about I guess the other end of that is being a guitar comic like if you know like three chords people think you're amazing at guitar oh definitely yeah yeah i mean i've you seen I mean? i've seen people who are like a month into guitar lessons who are comedians who bring it out in their act and I'm like this is awful guitar playing and it's killing because no one has any standard for that at a comedy show right um, but we've we've talked about this how like pastors ministers have you guys been approached ever at like road show like triple run kind of shows by yeah. ministers who are like yeah i want to get into comedy because they've <laughs> seriously multiple times because they've probably just told one joke in their sermon and it's killed because their audience is primed for that yeah and they're like oh i must be great at this i'm gonna go do it uh, yeah it really is one of the true joys in comedy is watching the guy who's the funniest around the office or thinks he is yeah get up there and tell his jokes in his khakis to a crowd of people going like this is fucking uh, horrendous oh i went to um the roast battle at the comedy store the other week and one of the like the undercard battles the first one they did was two people uh one of whom like uh, she was she is now a newish comic okay but the guy she was up against they basically they worked together in a record store <sighs> and he fancied him he's a writer like yeah. he's 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 author some books and he fancied himself as a wit and uh, horrible like yeah. the worst yeah. like it was just yeah and it, it, once like the first couple of jokes didn't land like you saw like oh this is someone's first ever time getting <laughs> flop sweat yeah like, it's his first because we've oh, all experienced wow. that time it was it was quite it, it was quite entertaining to watch just because like we've all had gigs that have gone badly and you know you know like the various symptoms that start for different people for me it's like sweat that starts in the, the top of the small of my back and starts to go down but like everyone has different symptoms or whatever <laughs> But right. you just saw the, like, just see, like, the sudden, like, his <laughs> smile got broader to overcompensate, and you could just see this kind of, 
Oh. oh. <laughs> just, it's, it's like when someone sort of jumps into a pond that's colder than they were. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. deeper than they were thought yeah. it would be. Like, oh, this I'm, isn't what I thought. I mean, you can be, I think at a certain point when you do comedy for long enough, like you can be bombing so hard that it just becomes funny again to you. Yeah. Like then the sweats go away. Like for instance, if I'm doing a gig and it's like I have to do 30 minutes and I know five minutes in that, I mean, I still have to do 25 more, but it's just not going to happen. They're just fucking done with me. They didn't like me from the start. They don't want me to be there. Um, then it's just sort of the futility. It's, it's, it's such a messed up situation that just the fact that you're even in it, like it's everyone's most people's number one nightmare scenario and you're just there doing it and like you're not dead it's fine you know <laughs> it just becomes it just becomes like funny again right, I don't know. right. yeah uh, well particularly if the audience gets angry i wonder what that they... is in the brain like if you break or violinists going back to them like using their the dexterity of their left hand and, and like operates or stimulates a different part of the brain so you, de- you develop like almost a strength there not that you can not that it's like a muscle but oh that part of their brain works better like as a comedian the idea that you could knowingly go on stage and barrel through it, there must be something operating in your brain, this weird fight-or-flight thing that's kind of like, don't worry, don't worry, no one's going to remember this. Yeah. It's just another show. People will just get over it, get through it. Because to other people, it would just be like run off yeah. stage, freak out, sweat profusely. But there's, been, but there's been some gigs that have gone like where the audience gets so furious <laughs> yeah. that it just becomes... Like, I, I think I told you, I did, when I was back in London the previous time, last Christmas, uh-huh. I did two gigs opening for Jim Jeffries at Brixton Academy, which is a huge venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jim's an old friend of mine, but his audience, he, he attracts a certain crowd. Sure, <laughs> and, I can imagine. And show one was a treat. Show one could, could, it was lovely and couldn't have been nicer. And then show two, they just weren't having it. They just mm-hmm. weren't into anyone that wasn't Jim. And... <laughs> Did you think about going into Bernie Mac mode? Well, I ain't scared, you motherfucker. But it was ba- it was just I did the I was like they reached a point about fifteen minutes in where I knew that maybe ten percent of the audience were enjoying what was like enjoying yeah. me. Maybe some a fair number of them were just enjoying what was happening, right. and then some people were just furious, and then it just became my business to that furious contingent as much as possible oh, I, you got to experience being neil hamburger yeah so i I, I i launched i just started improvising this story that went nowhere like intention it was just I, it was a bit of a dick night. move but i was like well jim's gonna come on afterwards and not only are they gonna love him but they're gonna love him even more because of like he right. like he, he i think his opening line was something like you cunts or something like, oh you are so whatever it was it was just one of those just acknowledged what had happened boom huge laugh and then he destroyed but uh right. so i didn't feel like i was fucking up the show but it just became just entertaining it was it was fun like it was I, stupid i i almost got the other night i almost got beat up during my set um at this place here in nashville is that where you mentioned cancer uh this uh, no i had not okay. uh so if i drop the cancer bomb uh on stage you know um, I'll do it like towards the end of the set because I want to make sure the laughs are there. Like I don't want the pity laugh bullshit. Um, and it's in my head. That probably wouldn't even be what's happening. But like I, I want to go up and do like normal stuff. And the other thing is I don't have that much cancer material yet. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like I'll talk about it at the end uh, for a minute. But no, it was a normal gig. And I was up there and um, the crowd was decent. But then there was just this one 
table that would not shut up, but they were talking so blindingly loud. It was distracting everyone, distracting me, distracting them. And I, uh, so I'm like, Hey man, Hey, Hey buddy. And he, it, it takes him a minute to even realize I'm talking to him and it's two guys and this girl. And, um, but there are these like Southern, I don't know, like, uh, it's hard to explain. There's a different, there's a different posture here with like douchebags where they, they look like bulldogs. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they're so, they're so upright, like just like no neck, like Shoulders redneck, forward, sort of pure, pure redneck anger, pure, just like no emotional coping skills. They don't know where to direct the anger. They're just pissed all the time. And, uh, so, so the guy turns around and I was like, Hey man, I was just wondering if you could keep it down a little. It's no big deal. I totally, it was a free gig. So I was like, I totally understand this in ambush show. And you guys are just here to have a good time. Totally get it. And he's, and he's like, I'm just talking at the bar, man. I'm just here. I'm just at a bar having a good time. And I'm like, dude, I totally understand. Everyone else trying to have a good time too. So if we could all just keep it down a little, it'd be cool. And then his friend stands up and literally, uh, and, and I do have this recorded and I'm going to, I'm going to play some of it on, uh, on my podcast. That's Jesse versus cancer.com. Uh, he stands up and he goes, fucking nerd, fucking geek. Nerd. He calls me a nerd. And the bar I was at was called throwbacks. So I go, is this place called Throwbacks because you're an 80s movie villain? Like, what, what's happening here? And, and he's fucking geek, fucking nerd. And then his girlfriend literally goes, kick his ass, JT. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> so instead of, getting, instead of getting angry or defensive, I was like, because that's an outlier. I know people are like scared to do shows in the South. That kind of thing doesn't happen. You know, so I'm like, I'm like, what? Except when it does. I'm like, I'm like, what? What's going on? I go, why are you so angry all of a sudden? And he goes, you are. And then, <laughs> and then, and then everybody's kick his ass, JT. JT's going to kick your ass. The bartender is hey, doing, the bartender is doing nothing. Just, Nobody is coming to help me. Just to confirm, uh, Jesse, very quick. Is, J, is JT the one you initially spoke to? Or is JT just the designated <laughs> ass kicker in the group? JT is the designated ass kicker. <laughs> the, the, the guy that I originally spoke to just kept looking at me and doing a, I can't tell if he was doing a, I'm going to slit your throat or a be quiet now move. You know what I mean? Like he kept, to he kept you sort of, to hope oh, like he was moving, start gesticulating stuff. with his finger near his face, you know, in yeah, an ambiguous like, motion, but, but like across his neck and, and then, it, you know, but, but it was weird cause I was stuck on stage. The other comics, uh, pretty much bailed on me. Nobody, <laughs> nobody was doing anything. And, uh, the crowd's dead silent and the bartender, I guess there are regulars there. I'm never going back to this bar. It's called throwbacks. It's in a place called Bellevue. Fuck your bar and fuck you. Um, <laughs> So the, the, the other comics are like bailing on me. And then the, the guy JT, or I guess they're regulars there. They're there like drinking every night, um, or whatever. Oh, by the way, notice this afterwards. Uh, there was one of those, um, buck hunting arcade games, you know, with like the shotgun. Sure. Oh, yeah, big, yeah. big buck hunter. Yeah. Big buck hunter. All the high scores, the initials were KKK. Just putting that out there. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely true. So JT Stands up That's and he's throwbacks fixed. in Bellevue. Yeah, yeah that is throwbacks in Bellevue. What's the opposite um, of a sponsorship? <laughs> yeah, so uh, JT stands up, fixing to kick my ass. And so what I do, and I hate that I've done this because I've always said I'm never going to play the cancer card, but now's the time. Uh, I I literally really quick pulled down the top of my shirt and I said, I said, dude, do you, you know what this is? And he goes, what? And I go, and guys, I swear to God, and I'm going to play this on my podcast. I have it recorded. This isn't like, this is not hyperbole. I swear to God. I go, dude, this is called a chemo port. I go, 
I have cancer. And I go, and I'm not saying that for pity. I go, I'm saying that because if you fight me, you'll probably win, but we'll be on the news and you'll go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I basically, I'm a guy in glasses times a hundred. Like you can't, you know what I mean? Like, like you will not win this. You will not win. And he literally goes, fucking cancer nerd. <laughs> And then I, uh, I just left. I just left the stage. I go, thank Holy you, good night. And, and was, um, yeah, like where, would, awful, where would the pride be as well? I go, like, yeah, really, me and my five friends really got the better of that guy who's halfway through chemo. Yeah. No, it, it was, it was. I was playing. I wasn't playing the card. Like, don't kick my ass. I was saying, like, you can do this, yeah. but like, any cop, any, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you just, you just lose. There is not a jury. In right. any part of the world. <laughs> Dude, like, if, if you beat me up, like, ISIS would think that's fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you, you, like, can't, you just can't do that. And I'm not saying that's fair. If I'm being a dick, I deserve to be beaten up. It doesn't mean, you know, but, like, I was being fine. It's just... How is your brain like, responding kind of like to, like... flashing a gun at him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, dude, yeah. you, can't, you, you can't do Pulling this. your shirt up to show him your piece, yeah. <laughs> Did you... I mean, was there a part of your brain that wanted to kind of, like, keep pressing it just to see where it would go versus the other side of your brain that's like, get out of here. This is not safe. Well, I was up there for... I mean, I did my time. I was up there... This happened about three minutes into the set, and then I was <laughs> I was only supposed to do 10, you uh-huh. know? So I did my 10. Wow. Um, and then got out of there. I mean, there was... I was certainly fear-stricken at a certain point, but it's also like I've had situations like that before on stage where they're blackout drunk. If they rush you, they have to climb a stage. You have a big heavy mic stand thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you do have the advantage immediately, and I would assume it would be broken up. It got really weird. Um, But it's also just because of what I whatever I've been going through. I am in this very weird existential place where, like, whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the best situation for the, I mean, it makes you pretty fearless. Like that's a side effect. That's nice. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, who, you know, who cares, man? Yeah. What are you, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do to hurt me that an oncologist trying to save my life hasn't already done? Yeah. Exactly. So, but it, but it was interesting because I've never played the card like that, and I really hope it read the right way. It wasn't like a don't do this. It was like I even explained. I'm like. Will be on the news. Like if you do this, right. I'm helping you, know you I mean? out here. Yeah, right. Is- like like you cannot do. Th- and I will press charges. I will. And going back to my people being ignorant about the side effects and like whatever, especially cops. Like if if they, if the cops got called and they showed up or whatever, I'd be like, I mean, I'd make up a bunch of shit about like my platelet count being low and I probably have internal bleeding. Like I would. I, I mean, I would. I would take it so far. <laughs> like I don't know, man. I don't know. He'd be looking for a new trailer. Um, <laughs> by the way, this yeah. leads into a nice um, but merch did, idea for your show. Maybe you Jess? are a cancer nerd. I mean, we can all. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I know. I'm a, I know I'm a cancer nerd. But like when he said that, I doubled over laughing because it was too far. <laughs> it, was, it was it was that moment of bombing futility that we were talking about, <laughs> like, where anyone else would just pass out or faint. <laughs> but, but I was just like, this is why is this my life? I don't. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Is a cancer nerd a nerd with cancer, or is it like an oncologist? Like that's the ultimate yeah, cancer yeah. nerd is just someone. Who's I don't like... know, but like the way he just goes, fucking cancer nerd. The first time, I'll tell you guys this really quick. And then my point about all this is that guy was obviously really drunk and should have eaten some pears the next day. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, well, here's but, the thing. Sorry, sorry to correct you on this one. The story doesn't work that way. Doesn't work the next day. This is a precursor. This is preempting well, the hangover. Pears earlier. 
But I do have to say this because this is another hilarious story. The first time I talked about it on stage, uh, the first time I brought it up, here's the level of audiences I'm dealing with here, okay? Uh, this was at a different redneck bar, but the crowd was very, very nice, and the show was going great. They were so cool. Um, but I had never talked about cancer on stage before. And I go, so guys, the reason I'm back in town, and the first thing you need to know is that Vanderbilt is a college. It's also a university, and its mascot is the Commodores. Like, um, which like are, the band? Yeah, mm-hmm. but every, uh, but it's, yeah. Um, but <laughs> it is the band, the Commodores. <laughs> um, but they're called the Doors. Everyone just calls them also <laughs> like the band. Um, right. Oh, so that's, that's what the Doors band. I've heard about this band, the Doors. It's just the Commodores. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I go up there and I go, so guys, and I was about to segue into material about it. So I go, so the reason I'm back in town, I don't mean to bum anyone out, but it's actually, I'm doing cancer treatment at uh, Vanderbilt. The whole room gets dead silent, uh, you know, as you would expect. Uh, and then this, out of nowhere, this guy in the back just goes, go doors. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, he just heard me mention the college he supports. <laughs> <laughs> I was like stuff like that makes me like it was hilarious. It was perfect. Dude, he was just hearing like the peanuts teacher talk. Wow, 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 wow. Vanderbilt. Wow, wow. <laughs> right. That's the level of um I've never seen alcoholism like is happening. Like you have to be careful. You know, in LA, like that one o'clock to three AM zone, you sort of have to be careful driving because everyone else is swerving. Right. Um here it's just any time. Doesn't matter. Just you know, people like- are driving People are just cutting across 10 lanes. It doesn't matter. I think what you said earlier was that people associate those shows with the South. And it's true they don't happen every show, but they do happen more frequently than anywhere else in the world, those sorts of things. And I guess, but rural shows in non-Southern states, it's probably the same. I mean, it it really is. Mm -hmm. It's about that more than anything. I've always contested that rednecks are everywhere. Right. Every every city you're in is going to be cool. And if you drive half an hour in any direction, people fuck sheep. It doesn't matter if you're in London or Dubai or San Francisco or fucking Nashville. And the South is just more rural. And it but it gets real rural real quick. I mean, it's like you'll get culture shock driving 10 miles in a different direction. It's weird. Um but I also I was very grateful to start comedy here because you get a lot of different audiences in a very short, like regional span. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like New Orleans versus Birmingham. It's it's almost like a different country. So I'm lucky for that. My point is these audiences should be eating pears before they go out. Exactly. Yeah. Specifically. So, so Korean pears in particular, though, they're looking at other pears now, but it looks like Korean pears are the most effective. They act on the key enzymes involved in alcohol metabolism, uh, alcohol dehydrogenase, which is ADH, and uh, aldehyde dehydrogenase, which is ALDH, to speed up alcohol metabolism and elimination or inhibition of alcohol absorption. And in particular, reductions were seen in blood uh, uh, acetaldehyde uh, le- levels, uh, which is the toxic metabolite thought to be responsible for hangover symptoms with pear juice consumptions. So it says, um, overall hangover severity as measured by a 14-item hangover symptom scale, which isn't then specified, was significantly reduced in the Korean pear group compared to ha- those having a placebo drink, with the most pronounced effect seen on the specific symptom of trouble concentrating. Oh, oh that's interesting, because I, I did a set oh. list show the day after a hangover, and I was not on my top game. Uh, and I wonder whether pears pr- previously would have helped that. What I wonder that's... about this, though... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, that's the worst side effect to me. The other stuff I can put up with, but not being able to focus... Like, uh, if you're really hungover, like not being able to, I mean, it will, it'll, it'll throw a set. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it'll you'll have to go into autopilot just to do it. And uh, I just the feeling of not having control of my mind fully, but also not having the euphoria that goes with the rest of the alcohol, because right. you're probably just as unfocused when you're drunk. That part's just continuing, but you don't care. And and uh, but the next day, it, it's like slight dementia where you're aware of it. Like you're very frustrated at yeah. yourself. It's the reason I, I never it's the reason I don't drink that. before I go on stage. People like a lot of friends of mine are good at gigging drunk and uh yeah i can see how it helps you mm-hmm. be relaxed and help you be a bit more confident on stage but i hate i hate the idea that if i want to ad-lib something my brain isn't firing at its highest speed like i hate right. the, i hate grasping for something that i know i wouldn't be grasping for if i hadn't had that beer before i went on yeah no i'm the exact same way and then i also have to put my foot in my mouth about my two beer rule from earlier because i wasn't even counting stand-up comedy like, but, I, I, but I know people you know, who are much better, like, you know, Doug Stanhope, for example, will not go on stage sober. He claims he's a much better comic, and he probably is when he's a couple of drinks in. Sure. Um, two drinks is a reasonable amount. You got those beta blockers. You're throwing darts like an ace. Yeah. But yeah, stand-up. A Chinese like you, ace. <laughs> hey, Chinese. hey, you know what does what, what you do on jumping around? Uh, what that? And that's your eyes. Uh, last week we um, Last week we did a story about eye movement during REM sleep and Andy asked about how much our eyes move around when we're awake well listener Sarah uh, Kalwarowski uh, Kalwarowski I believe Sarah. wrote in Sarah uh, worked in vision research in an eye hospital for four years uh, and she said uh, they do move around uh, a lot we call these movements uh, saccades which are three to four times a second the reason for that is that our retinas have a region that does high acuity which is very clear vision called the fovea and the rest is pretty blurry if you stare at your finger in front of your face but without moving your eyes try to shift your attention to things in your periphery you'll see how blurry the rest of your retina is so our brain basically fills in the picture we're not so we're not perceiving the blurriness and you mostly won't notice that you're making these saccades so effectively our, our eyes are constantly scanning around um constantly darting around and then our brain pieces it together into a whole sharp image okay but uh, any one time it's only the very center of that image that is fully in focus right speaking of that did you guys mm. go check out the uh perseid meteor showers last night at all i tried to but i, I was up. so much light pollution i couldn't see a thing yeah, yeah i woke up same, at same four here and i uh was gonna go outside and and check before i woke my girlfriend up and then i was just like so uh pessimistic because of living in la for so i was like yeah. i'm not even gonna do this to myself i we would have had to have driven an hour out of town or something like that and I, we did I, I did that you did still didn't help that much yeah by the way we're giving away that this episode was recorded three weeks ago now because the proceeds have already passed by the time you're hearing this um but yeah this was supposed to be the biggest uh event of the year in terms of spotting meteors and i drove out to topanga canyon just because i was already in Reseda, and i thought that would be far enough uh, or at least anything else, I don't know. You'd have to drive at least an hour what to time, really get away. What time did you try? This was like 3 a.m. Yeah, that's when we were going to do it. So it was still a ton of light pollution, but I stayed out there for a good half hour, and I saw like four or five really bright ones that left trails behind them. You know, mm-hmm. you can see like a... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so there, I, I guess it was worth it, but like I was expecting one a minute or so, which I'm sure there would be the if you were... The last one I saw was maybe... I, oh seven or something like that and it was so good it was so amazing like, I still, when they pass now i don't i don't feel like oh god i gotta go see this every yeah. time like that one it's like a drug or something i don't need to see it every right, single right. i've seen a really great one and so i'm i'm good for a while but i, I did want to see that one yeah if i, I just gotten so out, disappointed with la it, it does suck and like i, I was speaking of this fovea thing i was trying to see because it's the first time i've really stayed outside 
looking at the stars since I got LASIK surgery and like my mm-hmm. night vision's not the best, but it, the sharpness is good. And I was just trying to see if I could see like if I stared long enough at a star that's almost too dim. You ever stare at a star where you can see it in your periphery, but then when you stare right at it, you can't see it? Yeah. Which yes. is like the opposite of what you're saying. In some ways, maybe your periphery is better with brightness. I don't know. So I tried to stare at uh, Subaru, the seven or whatever our word for it is. But isn't Subaru like a seven star cluster? There was some seven star cluster that I'm pretty sure is what the Subaru logo is. And um, like the dimmest of those seven is almost impossible to see. And then I kept staring at it for so long that like I'd go blind in the middle of my vision because I hadn't moved my eyes. You know, you ever do that? Like you just can't yeah. see any, like, and you're not sure. Like, am I psyching myself out of seeing this, or is yeah. it actually getting no, like overburned into my retina? There's a super hippie meditation um, called candle meditating, where you stare at a candle and completely focus on it, and eventually, like, it looks like an eclipse because you just it bl- you go blind in the middle. And then right, you're just right. seeing this weird like halo and then it all goes black. It's it, But it's because your eyes are so still. It's really weird. Hmm. Okay, wait. No, Subaru is a cluster of six stars. Called Thank you for P- acknowledging that, everybody. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. I did a hmm. I did a hmm. <laughs> I was Googling Subaru. I was still listening. Yes, you, you don't see the candle anymore. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, someone mailed me a fart gun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best. Uh, it's check this out. <laughs> it has it, it has like a thousand like it. I still haven't heard a repeat fart. I think, but it, it looks like a ray gun and it just shoots fart noises. And it's uh, it's my favorite thing ever now. What so, if it really had an infinite number of spice farts? up? You know, spice up uh, my life. Is this one of, one of your Jesse versus Cancer listeners who sent that in? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. This is like a just in case, you know, for when you like, like post operation when you, I don't know whether you're able to fart when you don't have an asshole. How does that work? Yeah, I don't know. And the jury's still out on whether or not I'm going to have an asshole. Okay. Um, Cause I'm, I have to get I'm another pulling, couple. I'm pulling for asshole, Jazzy. Me too. I'd like to keep my asshole, but I, I, uh, yeah, I got to get another colonoscopy because they weren't even able to do it last time, obviously. So now that I have shrinkage, uh, they're going to be able to see the whole, you know, lower, uh, the whole the large whole. intestine and figure out, is it just that area or is there stuff or is it all fucked up the whole way? Because stuff lit up in the PET scan, but sometimes there's errors in the PET scan and whatever. So the only way to know is to really like get in there. So what, um, what was what you, what you had last week was another PET scan or was another colonoscopy? I forgot which last week was a CT scan, CT scan. And that yeah. looked good in terms of, you said you had 70% tumor shrinkage in the colon or everywhere or, no, the liver. Um, CT scans can't see inside the colon. Okay, they can't I'm see sorry. inside organs. They can only see the surface. Okay. But my colon was all enlarged and crazy looking because the, the tumor was so big, it was stretching my colon. It wasn't just like going up to the wall. It was like making my colon huge. Right. So now it's back down to like normal size. So that's very indicative of that. But they're not really they're not really worried about the colon as much as the liver because it's like taking care of the liver sort of gets you off death row. Like you can lose your colon. But right. the reason it's stage four is because it spread to the liver, but it's an early stage four. So, you know, that's a good amount of shrinkage that they could possibly even do laparoscopically. Uh, to, do, so to, that, to take out the parts of the liver, not to, not to do the colon surgery. Take out the parts of the liver would yeah. be laparoscopically. Yeah. So right now it's like I have to get another colonoscopy and then the, then they figure out like, okay, 
are we going to do the surgery in stages, which will make my life a nightmare for a while, but less painful or do everything at once. And then I'm just like in the hospital for two weeks. You know what I mean? Right. Just trying to figure all that out um, and then see where they're at with that. So it's like the shrinkage is great news, but I even said this like on the on the podcast, like I uh, I'm learning very quickly that there is no until they say you're cancer free. There's no good news. There's just a lack of bad news because it's like that's what the chemo was supposed to do. Right. So I can't view it as like this awesome thing. It's like, oh, nothing fucked up this time. So that's cool. But, but did uh, this but did that did that effect beat the odds in this portion of your treatment? If you, if that makes sense. Did yeah. that was that shrinkage? Yeah. No, it affects, odds beating. Um I I mean it it went as well as it could possibly go. The the you know, that's kind of what they told me. It's like this is the best outcome we could hope for with what we've done so far. So it it affects my prognosis pretty generously. So that's great. I mean, I'm I wish I had more info. I'm meeting with the oncologist right, tomorrow. Right. It's uh, the constant lack of knowing any info that's like, I think, one of the hardest parts, you know, because yeah. it's chaos. They can't give you an answer. Um, hey, I have a story that kind of connects uh, both the yes. thing we were just talking about and also Jesse's biology. Yes. Um, uh, and that is uh, the mystery. It's an article on the BBC entitled The Mystery of Neanderthal's Massive Eyes. Sweet. Uh, Jesse, of course, we believe to be a fairly high proportion of Neanderthal. Uh, no, I think I'm a very, uh, you know, obviously mature member of the intelligentsia, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our extinct cousins has eye- had eyes much larger than ours. Were these giant peepers the reason for the Neanderthals' de- a demise or the secret of their success? Uh, it says, we won't ever come face to face with a real Neanderthal. Well, who knows? They went extinct yeah. a thousand years ago, but all we can do is use their remains to reconstruct what they were like. In many ways, they were a lot like us. In fact, they were so similar, our species interbred. Nevertheless, there were some differences. One stands out. They had weirdly large eyes. On the face of it, big eyes sounds like a good thing. Presumably having bigger eyes meant the Neanderthals could see better than us. But according to one controversial theory, their big eyes played a key role in their demise. Uh, How controversial? Like who? (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) Like did did people flood out of like a, you know what I mean? Like a lecture hall? Was it it like that that scene? That scene from Theory of Everything? Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Still, still one of the... (laughs) <laughs> most stupid scenes to be in the middle of a film that, like who wrote have you seen the theory of it no, I've ranted yet. about this on the show before so I'm not going to go into it in detail okay, but just yeah. just basically here's the here's the short version okay Stephen, don't spoil anything for me so halfway through roughly the middle of the film Stephen Hawking who's by this point sort of halfway through his conditions progression yeah so he's not in a wheel i think i can remember he's just in a wheelchair but this is the short version okay <laughs> okay stephen hawking presenting his big theory that's going to make this, him famous at this point he just has lou yeah right, right, right. um yeah, he, he's, yeah uh, he, has lou, he has lou disease <laughs> it's it's not full uh so Where he gone, so he presents this he presents his big theory as a as a, he's like a postgrad student to this room full of professors and and, and, and he finishes, and one professor actually says, like, this is nonsense. <laughs> and then another professor just introduces himself as, like, I'm Professor Clever from Science University. Uh, <laughs> and I came here expecting it to be nonsense, but he's right. <laughs> and then everyone just applauds. Like, no one asks any follow-up questions. No one, like, like, that's how science works. Like, one professor says no, then another professor says yes, and they go, oh, it must be yes. No follow-up, <laughs> no explanation. And then they just leave the room like it's done, like that's finished. <laughs> like that's yep. How- no peer review. 
But I, I love that this caveman theory is is controversial because the word controversial in the science community always it's the most boring controversy. Well, hold that thought, Jesse, because this is pretty. Was thrilling. there a snarky email? What happened? So, uh, so Neanderthals were around uh, before us. They first appeared around 250,000 years ago, spread throughout Europe and Asia, whereas Homo sapiens evolved in Africa about 200,000 years ago. So there's about a 50,000-year difference, and they reached Europe about 45,000 years ago and found it was inhabited by Neanderthals. So we coexisted with them for 5,000 years, uh, but eventually they disappeared, perhaps as early as 40,000 years ago. Uh... In 2013, a team led by uh, Iluned Pierce of the University of Oxford proposed a radical explanation. Their eyes were to blame. From a detailed analysis of... In fact, I think we covered that when that came out in 2013. Did we? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to have to check down which episode that is. Yeah, Uh, it was controversial then, though. That's when Brooks quit. I remember that. (laughs) Uh, So the theory is that their big eyes meant they devoted a larger part of their brain to seeing but this comes at a cost to their social world. Other parts of their brain would in turn have been smaller. Uh, Since they evolved at higher latitudes and have bigger bodies than modern humans, more of the Neanderthal brain would have been dedicated to vision and body control, leaving less brain to deal with other functions like social networking. Uh, The theory goes that unlike us, they could not devote large parts of their brain to developing complex social networks, so that when they were faced with major threats, such as changing climate or competition from modern humans, they were at a disadvantage. Teamwork would have been vital. So if they lacked the ability to form large groups, they would not have had the support they needed. We get by with... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I know. I, I know. can't do yep. that. I can't do yep. that line. These I can't damn. do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it's worse than the fruit pun. I think it is because it's not even a pun. Yeah. It's just like a vague Beatles quote. Mm-hmm. What I'm is go- it? Okay, I'm going to give it to you guys. I need we, to know. We all get by with help from our friends, but the Anthills did not have enough friends to help out. Mm, poor dude. Oh, sure. Uh-uh. Uh, the substantive issue is not the opening through which the eye peers, but the area of retina at the back, says co-author Robin Dunbar. Um, this area is so important because it records all the incoming light from the world. The Anthols lived in northern regions where the light was dimmer, and their large eyes may have helped them to see better. To see more clearly, you need to gather more light into the eye, and that means having a bigger retina. Uh, the size of the retina is determined by the size of the eyeball. Uh, because of this, they argue a bigger computer was needed to process all this additional visual information. By analogy, there is no point in having an incredibly large radio telescope attached to a tiny computer that gets overwhelmed by the computer coming in, by the information coming in. Uh, other species, on the other hand, involved in Africa, where there's plenty of light, we don't need to see such a large visual processing system. Instead, we evolved a bigger frontal lobe, allowing us to develop more complex social lives. Uh, so here's the con- controversy. Uh, or controver- controversy? Controversy? Wait, Depends wh- which country you're in. What do you, you guys say controversy? Uh, Second syllable? Controversy. Controversy? Controversy? I don't want this to be a big thing between (laughs) us. I don't don't like how controversial this is. (laughs) Uh, So it's a neat story. Wait, do you say controversial? I mean, how would you say controversial? We say controversial. Well, there's your answer. Stop being dumb. There's quite the controversy about this controversial system. But we don't keep the the accent in the same place between controversy and controversial. Controversy is first syllable. Controversial is uh, third syllable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Good call. Good call. And then con- controversy. Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, so it's a neat mm. story, and we do, I think we did cover this, but here's a possible counter-argument. Here's, here's where it comes in. Other biologists, far from convinced, uh, who've now published their findings in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology. The new analysis suggests that Neanderthal's eyes, uh, large eyes did not contribute to their extinction. John Hawkes, 
of the University of Wisconsin-Madison and his colleagues looked at 18 living primate species to find out whether the size of their eye socket was linked to the size of their social groups. Rather than big eyes resulting in smaller social groups, they found the opposite was true. Big eyes actually indicate bigger social groups in other primates. If we could believe that logic, we would expect Neanderthals to be better social animals than we are today. Now we don't believe any of it. We actually think the eyes have nothing to do with social groups. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, to understand wow. how Neanderthals socialized with each other, we would be better off looking at clues from the archaeological record, says Hawks. These clues show that they were sophisticated social beings, not socially inept loners. Well, all right. Personal. Uh, there are other reasons to question Pierce and Dunbar's idea. Uh, Neanderthals in general are slightly larger than the average modern human. Their eyes might simply be proportionally larger in the same way the rest of their faces. And Pierce and Dunbar show that some modern humans living in high latitudes also have larger eyes than average. Yet other parts of their brain are not smaller, as far as we know. Wouldn't this make Neanderthals super hot? Don't we always find big eyes attractive? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big eyes, big brows. That's why yes. I want to fuck... That's why I want to fuck an owl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, absolutely. they always... When they have, like, a super hot... How many uh, licks, cartoon, right? <laughs> cartoon lady, they always give her huge eyes, right? That's, yeah. like, a, yeah. an attractive trait. I, to me, this isn't that great of an argument because of all the other animals that just have giant eyes. I think we obviously killed all the Neanderthals or gave them a disease. Like, we probably share an immune system, uh, um, you know, just like we do with gorillas or whatever. So so I, I think blaming their own demise or whatever. Inside job, Jesse? Are we talking about? I'm suggesting, look, I know that, you know, stone doesn't melt at that temperature. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but <laughs> just get yeah, it out I mean, get it all out there jesse is that gonna be a mainstay on jesse versus cancer now no maybe i don't know whatever um yeah i i like how would they have gone extinct without human i mean we they existed for so long and then five thousand years after we show up it's over so and then we're like blaming it on something and ignoring the fact. I don't know. It's like saying like it's like saying the Native American population is far less these days because they didn't have guns. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's because we shot them. You know what I mean? I, I, right, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, like, they're, they're not I always saying heard any that this with is... Neanderthal, Neanderthals, how the hell you say it? I don't like the T. Yeah, is that I, how you I, do I, it? I prefer the TH just because it's a little smoother. Neanderthal mm-hmm. yeah, sounds absolutely. so like uptight, but. I always heard that they were they didn't adapt to their f- the available food. We were more foragers and uh, like more vastly omnivorous, and they were kind of reliant on large meat groups like uh, I don't know, mm. like predominantly mammoths, but groups like that. That when they couldn't adjust, they, they just went extinct based on the food supply. But would that also be something that's like the proximate cause? But then the cause behind that was like their brains not being developed enough for them yeah. to find alternatives and be smart enough. To, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah, just who wondering. knows? Cause like yeah. a lot of dumb things have c- c- carried on or continued. That's true. That's true. We don't live in a world full of everything being the smartest version <laughs> of it. Hey, there, right. there is a, uh, also just, you know, just when a group that isn't expecting, uh, a, a new group, uh, they have no ability to prepare for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a newly discovered dwarf lemur, that is totally unafraid of humans. Go oh, fuck right off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, this new scientist article describes it as a lemur lover's dream. <laughs> <laughs> Cute and totally unafraid. What if, wait, going back to the Neanderthals, though, what if it was us and our cur- cutthroat ability to, like, just destroy all resources and we were just craftier at, like, 
stealing the red hat during a party. Like we would go in and steal all the food and just watch them haplessly look around like, Where, where's our food? We just watch <laughs> them all starve to death. That's probably what happened. Humans, just once like again. punking, yeah. Proto-punks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Earliest punking. Uh, so these lemurs, uh, a new population of dwarf lemurs has been identified in a small uninhabited island off the north coast of Madagascar. Uh, the group could be a new species and are unafraid of humans, suggesting they may have been isolated on their rocky home for a long time. We'll show them. This is, I, I love this comment. Well. This is from Charlie Gardner, who's a uh, conservation researcher at the University of Kent. Um, I'm sure we could have touched them if we had tried. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't approach us, but they didn't flee we either. We just got the same as, like, I could totally date her. I could, like, I could, I, no, I didn't ask you her saw, out. You I could saw. Totally date, there was something there. <laughs> just, like, you could tell just the way she was looking. It was just like, I could have, I could have, I didn't want to. I was a gentleman. <laughs> I didn't walk over and talk to her. But I could have. You knew. You know, right? You know I could have. Uh, they, they didn't approach us, but they didn't flee either. They just sat there transfixed on their branches. Uh, Gardner and his wife, Louise Jasper, a photographer, discovered the lemurs while holidaying on the island uh, called Nosihara, uh, that's two separate words, in April. At only 312 hectares, the island is smaller than Central Park in New York and largely covered in craggy limestone rock. Uh, there are small patches of forest in the valleys, which is where they came across the lemurs while going for a stroll after dark. Um, we always go for night walks in any forest we visit because lots of species of reptile and amphibian only emerge at night. We weren't looking for lemurs and certainly didn't expect to see any there, because the island seems too small to sp support a population of them. But as yeah. they Yeah. But as they looked for chameleons How and snakes, they suddenly saw their torchlight reflected back at them by lemur eyes. How'd they get there? I don't like, know. A boat? That... <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, decent, you know. Decent guess. Lemur boat? Uh, Obviously, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant, Jesse, I thought you meant the humans, and I thought Matt was answering that also, and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh my god, I'm tired. I was up late watching meteors, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did they get to the island? Boat. Oh, the good story answer. doesn't... Good, yeah, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> well, here we go, I'm just looking at the distances involved. So they, they recognize it as a type of dwarf lemur, um... Uh, which is a uh, Chiegro Gallius, but were surprised. Uh, were surprised they've never been seen off Madagascar's main island. The nearest other dwarf lemur species lives 25 kilometers southeast of Nozihara and is red and much bigger. The nearest small grey lemurs are about 64 kilometers away. Uh, they spot another individual not long after and four more the following night. They seem quite small for dwarf lemurs, were incredibly tame, which made us wonder if they were restricted to this island because both dwarfism and predator naivety are characteristics of island species. Um, mm. Dwarfism is apparently a common evolutionary adaptation in, in animals that Wait, become so isolated. that last one again? Dwarfism and being naive are characteristics of island species. Yeah. <laughs> and appa apparently dwarfism... Ditsy, small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I live on an island. What do you want from me? I don't know a lot. <laughs> well, apparently it pretty much is. Uh, dwarfism is a common evolutionary adaptation in animals that become isolated on islands and have to adapt to a smaller <laughs> ecosystem. An apparent tameness can be a sign that a species has been on an island for a long time, as a fear of predators is a crucial survival trait unless the environment is very safe and takes a while to be lost by evolution. Uh, there are no mammal predators on the island, and the types of birds that would normally scare a lemur do not live there either. 
There are several threatening snake species, and Gardner suspects the lemur would be fe- fearful of those, at least. So we just only fear snakes. Yeah. It's almost utopia. We found the lemur Garden of Eden, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, untouched by us until now. Yeah. And now it, we're going to fuck it up. It's a lemur lover's dream. It, it does say the evidence is very preliminary. We don't know for now, since no tissue or measurements were taken, that they're not juveniles. So they could be that small because they're just young. Uh, uh, but the <laughs> circumstantial evidence is suggestive. <laughs> Given the fear on this lack of fear on this predator-free island, it's plausible these animals have lived there for isn't long enough to exhibit insular dwarfism. Just to hate science. <laughs> Go in, see this thing. There are no predators. They're happy. They're naive. They're, it's a great ecosystem. Ah, let's get a tissue sample. Let's research it. Let's well, fuck with it. But that's just the thing they did. Away. They were like, just I leave. could have touched it. I didn't. But leave. Don't even <laughs> talk about it. Don't even see Don't even article. publish the yeah, article. Like, yeah, they would just ex- exchange a knowing glance on the yeah. boat ride back. Like, we just had a moment. The rest of the world doesn't have to yeah. know. Yeah. Well, they it d- does us no good other than making us kind of want to go there. I want to go to Nozihara. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are, some, there are ways to take tissue samples that are fairly unintrusive. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> you got to catch it. You got to dart it. Something that gives it a bad memory. Something that now gives it, it's a little less naive. Yeah. It's the one with a leather jacket now, shifty <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Well, no, they meant like something a tissue, happened like when he was younger. Yeah, it's like a tissue paper sample. They have to take the <laughs> tissues these lemurs are using. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there, and then, there are yeah. ways that they could, like I, I think, I'm sure if you stay on the island for long enough, you'll find a dead one that you didn't kill yourself. And you're all right. Well, there's the corpse mm-hmm. of one of those no, ones. No, they like, never die in Nozihara. It's <laughs> a lemur lover's paradise. It's... That's the thing, and then word's gonna get out. Yeah. Uh, Gardner, Gardner, and Jasper hope other researchers will visit the island. Uh, Finding species is new species is only the start of a very long process before it can be scientifically described, which requires years of lab work, uh, and he doesn't have the la- the training or a lab to carry out the analysis required. Uh, because of this, he- oh, he won't get to name them if if they get confirmed as a new species. But he said if he did have the chance, he would name them uh, <laughs> Ch- uh, Cheriogallius uh, nosiharensis after the island, which also yes. happens to be home to one of the smallest, well, smallest reptiles. The Brocasia micro chameleon. Aww. Aww. Oh, Why don't we see more uh, squirrel skeletons in the world? I mean, birds. That's a good question. Digest them. They got to leave the bones somewhere. Do they take them off to some secret location? We we should see them, right? Yeah. Does every animal in the wild know to like go to a special place when it dies? I don't know. Maybe if it dies naturally, just go, went to live on a farm. Right. Yeah. Like go cats, you know, cats farm. will go. Won't cats like go? Uh, Hide themselves. <gasps> yeah, dogs the, will. What if the lemurs are actually all ghosts? And that's where like a lot of animals go. It's a heaven to them. I Other animals what, become dwarf lemurs yeah, when they die. Naive, the, what happy. Is, I could buy that. What is that behavior like? High, going to high when you know you're going to die. Is that is that to keep predators away from the rest of your your pack, or is that to keep disease away from the rest of your? I think oh, that's, good call. Yeah, it's, both it's keeping your stink sense. and your disease and your rotting corpse away from. Yeah, they have to look at because presumably that would be some kind of social evolution, some kind of thing that helps the yeah yeah because there's no the way the traditional evolution mechanism could be a part of that at all because it's if it's always at end of life then it can't yeah, have any impact on what you're passing on but then right. there's but then there is gr- yeah it's, it's group mean. evolution because it's yeah. still assisting the propagation of your genes if it's helping your offspring and your relatives I think it's a, ch- a meme of choice like oh I saw Doug die <laughs> I remember it smelling bad two days later. When it's my turn, I think I'm going to, if I feel it, I'm going to walk up a hill. It's an animal fad. <laughs> like when those chimps were putting those grass things in their ears. Remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so 2011. <laughs> was that when we covered that story? I, <laughs> I think I feel like it was a couple it was, years a, It was the first observed fashion 
How much greater would it be if all memes were actual memes in like primates or other animals? Like, look what they're doing. That being shared around as opposed to just like, my wife, when I don't take out the trash, be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> also, everyone uses macro and meme interchangeably now. Like those images. Yeah. Like a meme is just an idea that is that has gone viral. Like an idea. It's like a, a concept. Yeah, like, it's a trend. It's a fad. It's yeah, not like it's an not actual like a picture social... with white and black writing on it. Right. Oh, that can be a meme, but that's not what a meme that's is. That's not exclusively mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. yeah. I hate that. I don't know why that bothered me so much. Uh, speaking of things that are going to go viral... Reactor, new series on sci-fi. <laughs> yes. David Huntsberger is hosting. Yeah. It's right up our fans' alley. You guys need to check this out. It's a weekly series at the intersection of pop culture and science fiction that captures and celebrates all the things sci-fi fans are talking about each week, according to sci-fi.com, at least. That's very succinct. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, uh, it's... Um so uh, it's meant to be not it's meant to be not like insulting we're watching these shows we're talking about just scenes that jump out like this is crazy we'll, it's so we'll show clips of stuff like that and then we'll have guests on sit down with them and chat a little bit we'll mm-hmm. have some live sketches sometimes we do uh like video pieces little shorts and things like that oh, cool. so so tonight's or i three weeks ago's episode <laughs> had a lot of uh uh, sketches, little short pieces and stuff like that. So it changes nice. a little bit week to week, but it's it's a it's weird for us, like in these first twelve episodes, where there's you know the the summer blockbuster movie season is kind of dying down, and then there's you know the the bigger shows that are on are kind of dormant right now. So the stuff we're working with has been fun to kind of explore and uh, look at. So uh, yeah, if you're into that, if you're into video games and comic books and sci-fi movies and superheroes and all that, there's usually something in that world. Cool. What did you think of, we talked about this last week, I believe, uh, and I haven't seen it yet, but Fantastic Four is tanking historically. Have you seen it? I was I was excited when I saw the cast, because I, I like uh, Michael B. Jordan a lot. I think mean, he's yeah. really good. And then Whiplash was great. Whiplash yeah. was really good, and uh, and he was good. Miles Teller was good in um, uh, Spectacular Now. You see that? Oh, I never saw, is that what his breakout thing was? Yeah, I, I, I think that, that was the thing that kind oh. of kind of launched him. So I was excited, and then it bugged me when I saw yeah, Josh Trank had sent that tweet and I was like, that's a that's shitty so thing to do. That's really unprofessional. Like, yeah. no well, student. What happened? Was he just said, the like, director. yeah, he sent out a tweet that said, a year ago, I had a version of this movie that you all would have enjoyed. Sadly, you'll never get to see it. Kind of like, just if you hate this, no, it wasn't me. Yeah. It's also, like, it's, it's a kind it's of a like, first time director. It's like, are you sure you want to burn this bridge this early yeah. on? It's like, I want to protect my ego here, but also ensure that no one will ever want to work with me because yeah. I will shit up. Because then he got taken off. He was going to do one of the standalone Star Wars, too. And he got taken off oh. that. So, like, there was some. Did he get taken off that prior. after the tweet? No, or? no, that was prior. Okay. So. I think things weren't good. There were a lot of rumors on the set and stuff that he was like not treating the actors great, that he was always way too stoned. And I don't want to uh, perpetuate those. Those are just things that I have read. But I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a great feeling when you read a tweet like that. Like, it's going to be difficult making a big movie. You've yeah. got to somehow like navigate that. They're going to just throw everyone under the bus. Like, I'm great. It's a shame this didn't all come together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I read about, I read uh, IO9 had this great breakdown where they just went through, like, here's what happened in the movie. And it sounds horrendous. I mean, it sounds like... like don't they not even get their powers for over an hour? Yeah, it's like 45 minutes in, they start to get it. And then they don't f- focus on their relationships. And uh, from and I never read the Fantastic Four, but everyone that I know that likes it was like, it's the family. That's what people like is the two of them are actually related so there's yeah. that element but the four of them become a really close family and that's the thing that because it certainly couldn't be the powers which are stupid yeah, like i really mean it's dumb. really early comic yeah. book creation stuff like he's stretchy that's one of the <laughs> dumbest of all time 
Yeah, there's so many things there where, like, when I saw that cast, I was like, oh, they could do this kind of cheeky, not in a goofy way, not too, like, self-effacing, just with a self-aware. Wink. Yeah, but just a little nod to, like, eh, yeah. I'm Mr. Fantastic. It's kind of absurd. So, uh, I I was, I can't believe how much it tanked. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a it, it pretty historic. so poorly. Have you guys heard that, uh, the Norm Macdonald sketch? I was just yeah, gonna yeah. say, oh my god. And I'm uh, Mr. So Fantastic. Funny. Wait, but you just straight, yeah, yeah, but... Uh, uh, you're the thing, and you're the oh, so good. It's so funny. That whole CD is really great. Has the his power is stretchiness, <laughs> stretchiness and, and somehow he has the wait, name wait, wait. Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm the Invisible Woman. That makes sense. I'm invisible, but you stretch, right? And I'm Mr. Fantastic, and and <laughs> he sets so on wait, he sets on wait. fire. He's the Human Torch. Uh, I can <laughs> no, stretch so at will. So I, I'm the Human Torch. It makes sense. I just don't. But then you're Mr. Fantastic, and we're called the Fantastic. <laughs> but you're fin- Mr. Fin. Why aren't you Stretch Man? No, no, I'm Mr. Fantastic. You're the Human Torch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally uh, weird. That whole CD is really great. It's when he's great Superman CD. flying by, and he's just like, Cause I thought I was in the area. I thought I'd phone you dudes up. <laughs> uh, Hey, uh, Dave, apart from Reactor, which our listeners should check out and watch, mm-hmm. what else have you got coming up? Are you on the road at all? Or you- no road dates until I get the schedule figured out with this show, which might in, might involve being able to go out on the weekends. Um, but right now it's, it's, nice. it's pretty uh, – yeah, yeah, I don't – I don't think I have a uh, could command enough of an audience at this point to just be like, let me come and do Friday, Saturday. But I, I've been doing a lot of uh, like independent venues anyway, so I would probably go back and do some of those when nice. I can. But cool. coming up, no, I'm just just doing the show, and then I have a new podcast that'll probably be coming out in like early to mid September. Um, so keep an eye on that because Professor Blastoff. Uh, yeah, ended. it was sad to hear you guys. I know, man. Yeah, that was. Uh, but I guess. Uh, that's just the way the world we live in. Everything cyclical, and that was. And a, you went for how many years? Four years. That's a long time. Yeah, four years is pretty good. If, yeah. you know, so weird how many things in your life if you went to high school and college and typically living situations. And yeah, so many things come in those weird yeah. cycles. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! Probably science has been going now for longer than my degree. <laughs> really? Yeah. We're, I, not, we're not at four years yet, though. What are we? What, no, but my, it was a three-year degree that I did. Oh. Um, uh, at Huntsburger Junk on the Twitter. Yeah, and then it's at Reactor Sci-Fi. It's Thursdays at 11.30 on Sci-Fi. We're after a show called Geeks Who Drink, which is like a trivia game. And then our show is more just like a weekly catch-up. Like, here's what you missed. Here's what happened last week. The one... Uh, so you don't story- even need to watch other TV. That's the cool thing. It's like... Yeah, they haven't marketed it uh, to... They've marketed a lot to like, if you love these things, you'll love this show, which is kind of strange because people are like, well, I like science fiction... Will I like this comedy show? I feel like if you if you just like comedy and it, okay. you could watch this show and have yeah. no knowledge of anything and enjoy it. It's just it's mostly just joke based, you know. That's so, great. Uh, hey, listen, uh, uh, you can also follow at Probably Science and uh, at uh, Jesse Case and at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, and at probablyscience.com is where you can uh, both see all the links to the stories that we cover, and there's a donate button. Um, and we have a, oh, we've recorded a lot of episodes close together, so there aren't as many donors to thank as normal. But uh, we do have to thank, uh, where is the name? James Cox? Yeah, new donor, James Cox, who sent up a, a month, a generous monthly donation. Thank you very monthly much, James. Monthly Cox! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where's um, the fart gun, Jesse? Come on. And, uh, no, 
here's the deal. I'm sitting here just in headphones. You guys at least, like my dad's like upstairs, just out of context. I'm just yelling things like that. Uh, just, and, and it's completely silent the rest of the time. Just his weird son in the basement. He's monthly cocks. He's probably, they're probably worriedly calling your doctor right now, just yeah, going, something's exactly. happened. He's got some reaction to this treatment. I don't know what, he's just babbling. Exactly. It, 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 the guy is farting so much down there. We're very, very concerned. Occasionally having a one-sided conversation and nothing yeah. for a while. Um, also, uh, listener uh, Jesse Edmonds just tweeted at me because he's going to come and see my show at uh, Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale in Silicon Valley, which, by the way, uh, September 10th through 13th, if you're anywhere in the South Bay or anywhere nearby, please come to those shows. Uh, but he asked, um, he went, I need a Probably Science t-shirt to stand out in the crowd. Thoughts? And I realized we do have a T-shirt, and we, we consistently we don't plug it very often. We consistently we? forget to mention it. Uh, there's a freaking probably science T-shirt that Estoy Merchandise uh, sells, and if you go to estoymerchandise.com/slash/collection/slash/probably-science, uh, we'll put a link to that as well. But there is a probably science logo tee, and they're some of the most comfortable T-shirts ever. Estoy has a good supplier for T-shirts, uh, but you feel free to buy that and uh, wear that to shows where any of us are going to be on. That would be cool. Uh, so and also thanks for um, in advance for coming to the show, Jesse. I will hopefully see you then. Uh, if you're buying anything on Amazon, click our Amazon link. It costs you no extra, and we get a little kickback. Uh, subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Uh, write and review us on iTunes. That helps uh, people find us and spread the word. Tell friends. Can I get one last plug in? Please sure, sure. go doors. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Gotta go do it. Door. Gotta go doors. Go doors. Room geek. Cancer nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you guys want to listen to me be a cancer nerd, uh, you can go to jessevsuscancer.com. I'm doing a podcast talking through the treatment and all that. And, and talking uh, about other stuff as well. It gets, gets philosophical. It gets funny. It's, it's a great show. It's a great, oh, I do great. actually have a final pl- I always forget to mention the junk show, monthly variety show oh, I do yeah. here in L.A. You guys have both done it. Uh, Jess, yeah. when you're back in town, let me know. It's, of course. Uh, stand-up, animation, music, magic, all kinds of stuff. Excellent. Sweet. It's the second Sunday of every month. And I know we Where, keep, what venue? Uh, it's at the Copper Still right now, but they're going through some renovations after the September show. So check uh, davidhuntsberger.com and there'll be that's nice info there because I can walk to that from my house. Hopefully, it'll be somewhere else nearby. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to beat all these plugs into the ground, but we also should mention the LA Podcast Festival, as Fuck we always yeah. do. We're going to be live at that uh, September 18th through 20th. Our show is on the 19th. That's Saturday, September 19th at noon. It takes place at the Sofitel Hotel in Beverly Hills. LAPodfest.com has tickets. Great hotel. Great. One of the best Sofitels. Uh, tickets to see it in person, or if you want to watch it from your... From the comfort of wherever you have a laptop, you can buy access to the live video stream for only $20 if you use the offer code SCIENCE. Anything uh, else? I think that's everything. Uh, well, thanks for rejoining us, David. Of course. And thanks, thanks for rejoining us, Jesse, as well. Yeah, Jesse. Great yeah. to have Jesse back on the show. Um, we won't be able to, by the time this is out, uh, listeners will probably have gotten more up-to-date news on your status from your own podcast, but do keep us posted. On, if they listen. You... I mean, my, I, I, I'm not sure the crossover. My podcast, uh, it's not for everybody. You know, like the like I, I've and I've talked about it on the show. The numbers just it peaked early and just uh, we're just going into the ground. <laughs> just just taking this puppy down. But just I, every, I love I love week, the idea that it's like these like middle aged. Uh, I don't know why the age matters, but, you know, people who were just like, are expecting chicken soup for the soul who found it through some cancer forum. And then they hear you doing like. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's the thing is like it wound up in all these cancer forums and stuff. And people are like, hey, I plugged you on this. And then I go like, well, that's nice. But. There's like these ladies making like soft baked cookies that, you know, <laughs> they're, they're 
their grandson comes over and teaches them how to like get a podcast and they're so excited sitting down with their teacups and then I'm coming on like talking about like fucking myself with a toothbrush like a story I told <laughs> wait <laughs> by the way that's the lost episode I, can you put that out as a bonus I want that's the story that you took out after you sobered up or something that came off your meds well, this is the missing the missing episode that accidentally no, no, it you wasn't, lost it, no it wasn't one of those things I, I literally screwed up the audio like it was I put it up and then it came back skipping it was like oh okay but it, it was because of my buffering and I thought something went wrong at Libsyn so I took it down and then and then I mean but I was all stoned on like composite or whatever so I just re-recorded a bunch of stuff and then put it up um but I had someone email it to me so yeah I'll post that I mean yeah, I should I, I should post that anyway I was gonna say that episode will exist on the computers of people who downloaded it when it first went out yeah yeah it got a few downloads like before you know because I like slept for a while then woke up and tried listened to it to see if it worked and it wasn't working on my computer I don't know. It was like it was like a mess. So that's the well. That's the interesting thing about the podcast is I uh, I'm trying to document things as accurately as possible. So even if I'm doing like I've done episodes while I'm doing chemo, I've done episodes when I'm feeling great. Because um, I could, of course, if I'm feeling good, if I'm having a super healthy day, just knock out five of them and then you know post them. But I I do want it to be accurate as to what it's like. So like right. there's one episode I'm like super depressed. Yeah, it's weird, but <laughs> but you know. If people want to listen to it, listen to it. It's great. Know. Yeah. Listeners, jussieversuscancer.com is where you can, or you can just look it up in any place you listen to, uh, you find podcasts. Yeah. Any fine podcast store will carry it. <laughs> Handmade podcast. All Handmade right. podcasts. Well, listen. And go back and listen to Professor Blastoff. That's still online. That's a great fucking it is. show, Thanks, man. man. Yeah. It was yeah, a good dude. run. I mean, we, we considered moving on into a different capacity, uh, and then we just decided to kind of... It feels like a band or something. Like we had, you yeah, know, a good four-year run. We're pretty proud of all the episodes, or a large percentage of them. So, when are you going to be tweeting from Tig's account? When's your tweet day? Oh, I already did it uh, like a week okay. ago. Yeah, I uh, that, that was strange. It's mostly just uh, people tweeting at her all day about how much they love the documentary and stuff. So, oh, so I mean, people really were into that. So I felt like me just tweeting kind of. I would tweet some pictures and stuff like that. Like, here, here's something, a thing of TIG. But otherwise, I wanted to just let them kind of have a place to sort of post on a wall, like, how much they loved that, which, yeah. is, sure. which is cool. Uh, yeah, man. All right. Well, listen, we've got we've to wrap things up. But th- thank you, everyone. And uh, thanks for listening. And find us online and come to our live shows. And definitely check out Reactor. And great to have you back, Jesse. And we will see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.